Welcome to Imperfect Allies. My name is Chris. And I'm Richie. And we're here to talk to each other about what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black in America. Our goal is to have a candid conversation about race and how it impacts and intersects our daily life, as well as our country. The episodes offered here are based around real, candid conversations that Chris and I have that are available if you support the show. From those conversations, we take a deep dive into topics that we discover to better empathize and understand ourselves and our American culture. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Allies Imperfect. Well, let's start the show. All right, everybody, welcome to Imperfect Allies. This is Richie. I'm Chris. That's right, that's Chris. And we got a special guest tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, we're changing the format up a little bit. And uh, please welcome to the uh, show, Diane Michelle. Diane, yay! Yay! yay. Right. Our first really guest. Yeah. Thank you yeah. guys for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so, uh, Diane, um, just wanted to uh, get you on the show and talk about you. Uh, talk about your experience a little <laughs> bit. So, where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? I was born in good old West Texas, uh, in a in Abilene, Texas. Okay. Oh yeah. And moved over to Dallas when I was five, and so I I mostly grew up here, but Abilene's still considered hometown to me. Okay. And how did you make it to Dallas? My father is one of those like really successful Hispanic men. Um, mm -hmm. He was appointed to the a federal district judge position by the first George Bush, uh, President George Bush. So we moved over here because of his job. Wow. What's it like yeah. having a judge for a dad? My it made goodness. it interesting selling drugs, but you know, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was really cool. Uh, my dad's one of those, you know, his first language was Spanish and he, uh, grew up like on a border town, like border, border, south of Laredo border type town and, you know, stereotypical poor Mexican family working in the fields, uh, having to work your way up. Uh, through the education system here in America, and yeah, man, he he did it. I'm I'm so proud of him. He was actually the first Hispanic DA in Abilene, which was really cool. And like wow. the mayor had like uh, a day named after him. Like it went to his head a little too much, but it's still really cool <laughs> to to have that success story in our family. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. that's amazing. That's that that is the kind of American dream story, right? Just yeah. pulling yourself up. It really is. And his parents, um, in, in the Hispanic community, it, it's actually uh, kind of against the norm if you encourage your kids to go to college. A lot of, uh, at least on my mom's side, you know, she's part of 15 and she's the only one that graduated high school and then also graduated from college. Um, and so he, he was just very fortunate to be born into a family where both parents very much stressed education and like, hey, all of our kids are going to go and we're going to save up money and we're going to do it right. So they were, yeah, and all seven of his, there's seven of them. What? Uh, yeah, I have such a huge family. Family reunions are nuts. But all seven of his siblings uh, graduated high school, went to college. Um, so it was a real testament to my grandparents who are just 
really hard Mexican workers trying to make that, trying to make it work for, for their children here. So it was really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, I went, well, I'm still, in, I think I'm enrolled. I don't know. I'm still going to college, you know, <laughs> 42, still plugging away as I can, but, uh, South, I go to South Texas college and it's mostly Hispanic and, um, uh, they do, they do like a great job of like getting out in the community and like, Hey, just come, just get here. We'll yeah. take care of you. So it's just awesome. It's in, it's in McLaren, Texas, which is a border, mm -hmm. a border town. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, so anyway, just good to see that. Good to see that. Um, yeah. so you're, uh, you're also gay. Not only Hispanic, I, but you're I also am. gay. I am a gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you kind of, when did you, when did you know, or when did that, can you talk about that experience oh, a little gosh. bit? Like, yeah. Yeah. I knew I was gay since elementary school. Like mm -hmm. I was very boy crazy, but I was mm -hmm. also like looking at the ladies. Hey. <laughs> and I remember the very first time I, you know, you always do, you, you hear these stories about boys um flirting with girls in like third or fourth grade like pushing them over the the oh, yeah. uh over the, the swing push? or whatever it is <laughs> and i the very first time i tried to impress a girl she was a transfer student right mm -hmm. and so she was new, new <laughs> and i was on a swing and i saw her walking over with with some of our classmates and i was just like you know what i'm going for it so i started swinging as high as i could jumped off and ended up like kind of falling on to my knees and then falling over so it wasn't the most graceful landing but i made her laugh oh, okay so it was, i was just like oh my god i'm so in love with you um so yeah so i knew from a pretty pretty early age but my parents uh found out whenever i was 11 because wow. my oh, mom wow. was snooping around my room and found a love note that i wrote to another girl Okay. And so it was at 11 when my parents found out and basically told me, you're not gay. You're going to grow up to marry a boy. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay if he's white. Um, we prefer Mexican, but you know, it's okay if he's white as long as he's Catholic. That's at 11? Oh, wow. so, that conversation? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, so I always thought I would like end up like growing up to marry like a black gay woman who grew up in the Baptist church just to piss him off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. But instead I'm marrying a beautiful redheaded white Baptist. woman who yeah. grew up. Uh, <laughs> don't you grow up in Baptist or Church of, or church of Christ? I'm so church sorry. Christ. Okay. Oh, church well, hey, that's, uh, that's next level too. So yeah. <laughs> that's on the edge. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, wow. Wow. You know, it reminds but, me, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, because of how that happened with me when I was 11 and it was so traumatic, mm. um, I think that's why I'm so loud and proud. Like I'm usually wearing some rainbow or, or you know, I'm just always like, hi, I'm a gay brown lady. Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very much, I make sure that it's very much a part of my identity whenever I'm out and about. Yeah. I mean, that was part of our first conversation was, it was like, you were like, how gay is Richie? And you're like, you're probably like 10%. I'm feeling like a 10% gayness in you. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah, that's wow. probably right. That's probably a good percentage. Right that's good accurate. 10% yeah, yeah. gay, Richie. <laughs> you know, because I could cuddle with a man. I feel like I can, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I could, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
Um, so, so, um, I know, you know, this show has been about talking about what it's like being in these categories. So for us, white and black, it's, a you know, it's while those categories aren't everything about us, uh, they do affect us in a lot of ways. And so, um, we kind of wanted to talk about that. How, how is that, how has that been like, so from 11 to now, um, how has that been sort of being in those categories, being Hispanic, being gay or, or whatever, comedian, whatever, whatever, you know, categories you want to talk about? Yeah, it's been rough because, like I said, I just happen to come from a Hispanic family who just happened to have a little bit more money <laughs> than my other Hispanic counterparts. And so I was very privileged in that way growing up. And that was very much a part of my identity, but it kind of fed into that identity crisis because at school, you know, you have the Hispanics and they're low income, they're, they're not, they don't come from, from money or anything. And so I didn't quite fit in with them because I guess I was kind of a sellout. And then I had my white friends. Mm. They didn't know how to talk to somebody that had such a nice tan. And so <laughs> it was, it was very much like caught in between those two worlds and being gay on top of that was nuts. Um, so yeah, so it was very hard growing up. And then I was probably, I mean, I'm 34 now and it's only been a few years that I've been like truly comfortable in my own skin and mm -hmm. just not trying to put on as many masks as I used to. Um, and especially in this entertainment field, you know, I've been a stand-up comedian since 2013, so a little over seven years now. And yeah, man, it's rough. It's rough being a woman in this in comedy. First of all, yeah. um, it's such yeah. a man's game, and you have a lot of people that are willing to um, sort of look the other way whenever they see inappropriate behavior towards women, right? Because they would rather get a paycheck and not say anything than say something cause trouble with the booker or that venue or theater, or whatever and not get that stage time. So that was a real big eye-opener for me whenever I got into this field. Um, and then being gay, of course, just like people notice, right? at least I'm one of those, when you look at me, you can pretty much tell right away, like, okay, she's probably gay. <laughs> um, not always, but usually, because I dress fairly masculine. And so that's been interesting, being a stand-up and then also getting into like sketch and acting because you see a role for a woman in her 30s and she is fun and energetic and then you go in and say like, oh your hair is so short or oh you look so masculine um you're not comfortable in a skirt okay so that's been that has its limitations as well which is why i think it also kind of inspired me to write and produce a lot of my own stuff because there's so many stereotypes and just um expectations i guess uh that just again i don't fit in those usual boxes and i'm so uncomfortable in those boxes so th that's why i guess it, it really inspired me to start creating my own characters creating my own shows and just producing my own content because that's where i'm i'm happiest yeah that's awesome and i i think that the sad part about entertainment is they almost require us to be in some form of a box so that they can find your audience or your what role Absolutely. you should play when you're acting and and so it's just it's very interesting having to navigate that from the need to know what your labels are in no sense like 
I know my my stand up improved when I started putting myself in boxes to then mm-hmm. speak to those boxes and the audience automatically gets it. They're like, oh, yeah, you're in that box, you know? And Absolutely. So it's it, like, how do you play the game if you if you want to honor yourself in the gray and all the different aspects of yourself? But at the same time, no, in order to play the game, I have to fit in these boxes. Yeah, I mean, I would say the thing, the material that's about being gay or about being Hispanic or being like, you know, my my name is Diane Michelle. And then you like, I'm not what you expect to see when the announcer says my name. Exactly. Like, what is going on? It's like, I can't help it. My parents just, they got tired of rolling their R's when I came along. <laughs> I don't know why my name is Diane Michelle. Um, but but all of my material that, that talks about being gay or being Hispanic or being this, being that, those, those are the ones that hit the hardest with the audiences, regardless of who is in the audience, really. Um, but I've always... I've always tried to steer away from being a gay comic. I want to be a comic who just happens to be gay right. or happens to be a woman, you know, happens to be Hispanic. And at the same time, you know, juggling, like you were saying, Chris, juggling that with what the audience clearly likes to hear about. Yeah. I, I'm curious how the way you said that, you know, just uh, a comic that happens to be gay. So there's a TV show that Hulu produced called Woke, and it's about, um, being black but not wanting to get into the freedom fighting of being black and not having to talk about race all the time and so it's this dichotomy of i just want to be a human being that happens to be black and not be um a black human being that has to let everyone know and be speaking out about it and fighting injustice all the time and so i'm curious um well you know you have the gay community and the hispanic community could you tell me how both of those communities feel about their own label and if if there are preconceived things that you almost feel like you have to do because you're in that group yeah um i would say for the queer community um you know not everybody because i identify as gay a homosexual but not everybody in the lgbtq plus community identifies as gay so the the correct term would be queer right Mm -hmm. and so and and it's so weird because like you, you hear about these things like um, like by erasure and hate against transgenders and not understanding non-binary or gender fluid, gender queer. And that happens within our own community. Like we don't always understand it or we don't like we just we maybe don't agree with it or whatever it is, you know. It's like one big old queer family. Um, and some people are really they're very passionate about the activism and making just trying to normalize being queer Mm -hmm. as much as possible um and and it's and it's one of those things like it's also exhausting just like the race stuff is exhausting and so not everybody wants to talk about it all the time or they don't want it to be at the forefront of their mind all the time and i get that um so it's balancing Mm you know sticking up for yourself sticking up for your community as well as taking care of yourself and making sure you have boundaries to where it's like it's not causing you more harm than good of whatever you're doing and same thing hispanic community i mean hispanic community always feels left out of the the black and white uh, Mm -hmm. race war and it's like why would you want to be a part of that (laughs) you know like that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard i want to have hiv (laughs) oh my god um 
So there's a lot of that, like the brown community yeah. feels left out. And then all Hispanics aren't brown anyway, so that's not even politically correct anymore. But anywho, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's exhausting work. And especially whenever, you know, Mexico is just right there, you know, yeah. it's right there across the river. And so living here in Texas, I think it has a, a different there's a different aspect of it living here than like, you know, Montana or Idaho, somewhere up there closer to Canada. Yeah. Um, so there's a different pressure here, I guess. Hmm. And whether it's like, oh, you're Hispanic, you, you must speak Spanish, right? Or, wow, you're really smart for a Hispanic. What are you doing here at wow. this place with smart people? Um, wow. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. Uh, it's exhausting just existing sometimes um but you know you gotta do what you gotta do and you gotta if people aren't gonna educate themselves then you just gotta figure out well do i educate you do i take that time and energy to educate yeah. you or do i just say you know what i'm gonna let you go <laughs> and i'm gonna go make fun of you with my friends uh and let this go i'm gonna take this to the so, stage and make some money yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure well I, and um, that's interesting because we're talking about these these boxes or these categories and stuff. And what do um, you know? What do the people that you would consider allies that aren't in those particular categories? What are the kind of the things that they do that you find like I don't know supportive or good or just those kind of things? I would say the number one thing that allies do is validate. They don't try to get defensive and prove you wrong or say um, your perspective is, is warped. It's to this, it's to that. I'm going to try to invalidate you. I'm going to try to silence your voice. You know, those are all things that, that happen to us a lot whenever we try to speak out, um, whenever we try to speak our truth. Because most people of color that I know from a very early age have been trained or conditioned to make the dominant culture comfortable. And in this case, it's white America, right? So whenever we get the strength <laughs> and the bravery, the courage that comes along with, with um, going against that dominant culture and we're like, hey, uh, this, what your actions and behaviors um, are actually hurting me as a Hispanic or as a woman, as, as a queer person, um, making a, a white person uncomfortable is very nerve wracking. It's terrifying. It's not fun. I mean, if you're drunk, it can be fun, I suppose. Um, <laughs> liquid courage. <laughs> yeah. Liquid courage. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's very, it's just one of those things it's very uncomfortable but at the same time you're still very proud of yourself for sticking up for yourself right yeah. and so whenever you have allies that you can just be like hey you know what that was a microaggression and this is i know your intentions may be good but the impact was this and they actually listen to you and be like you know what you're right my bad i'm gonna learn from this and move on that's a true ally right there. Yeah. Or if they see an injustice happening because uh, they see a group of people getting treated differently than the, a group of white people and they call it out, that's also being an ally. So yeah. just pretty much making white people as uncomfortable as possible, that's a good ally. <laughs> okay. 
Be willing. So Richie, um, since yeah. you're the only white one, no. yes, um, yes, sir. Go ahead. I'm, no, up, but I'm, up, I'm up for it. I'm actually curious if, if being white, you also deal with the dominance of whiteness, and if oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So like we, I, I think you know, me and Diane both noticed that if we are affluent or if we are intelligent, we are then not considered in our label anymore and somehow we've stepped into the white world and i'm curious if there's a pressure in the white community that if you aren't intelligent or are you required to be smart and then do you lose whiteness if you aren't and same with financials oh yeah i mean they call you trash like that's that's what white trash is is mm. unintelligent uneducated poor white people and um yeah i mean that's 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 awful you know that's crazy uh, yeah i mean that, and that's been going on since the inception of the country like that idea that there you're you know you're white but you're not really white and white meaning good and black meaning bad or whatever uh, white meaning human black meaning you know uh subhuman inhuman, or whatever yeah. inhuman yeah um yeah i mean i think it, i think i think even white people deal with whiteness <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> you know and um but I, the, the difference is that I benefit even still. So, so if a white person saw me, they didn't know, they won't know my social status necessarily. I'm not, like, my clothes can maybe give it away or my grooming or whatever, but might do that. But, um, yeah, you can definitely see it. You can definitely see a divide. Um, and especially now with, um, whatever's happening to me, like I'm not making any friends and sp particularly white friends, you know? Yeah whether it's whether it's um, aligning with people that um, like you said diamond uh, like uh, just believing you like believing your experience and saying that's that I believe her I believe Chris uh, you know whoever's speaking up that puts me in a whole other oh you're a either a libtard or a snowflake or um, you're unchristian like all these crazy like yeah. No, no, I'm just saying I believe that the the things that they're saying, um, that's, yeah, definitely deal well, with so, that for sure. So what is that? And and I, I'm only using whiteness because I don't know what else to classify this. What is that about whiteness that, I mean, every group doesn't allow much dissent, right? So that's, that is in all groups. But, right. But I think other groups can at least hear your opinion and you no longer, you don't instantly become not white anymore or well i don't know because i deal with that being black so i don't know maybe everybody does that I'm yeah curious. i mean is that is that uh, yeah because because we talked about that chris a little bit how like you lose blackness or like you know that's you know, you're not towing the line when you talk about some of the things you've been talking about recently uh, i'm curious diane is that something that you see in, in any any community you're part of like if you don't tow the line with whatever do you see that ever? yeah i think i think that's pretty much across the board mm. um we're you know i'm not part of any majority groups yeah. right now um so it's it's one of those things like we are all marginalized underrepresented voices why are we giving each other such a hard time mm -hmm. like that's exactly what the dominant culture is for let them do it <laughs> and we can talk about them behind their backs but don't do it to each other um, so it, it's one of those things, uh, where, you know, I believe that we, whenever you're, uh, trying to have personal growth and become a better human being than you were yesterday, some people aren't going, you're, you're going to outgrow some people yeah. in that process. Mm -hmm. If you're really, truly doing the work on yourself and you're really trying, truly trying to be better than you were yesterday. 
some people aren't ready for that, you know, and you got to meet them where they are. And if they want to call you names for it or say you're this or that or you're a bad person for believing this person of color, um, you know, that's on them. That's not on you. Right. And and it's one of those things. Yeah, you have to deal with. And it's and, and, and it's one of those things. It makes you realize just how many people are not ready to be progressive. They're not ready to accept certain truths out there. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. You know, I empathize with them and I feel sorry for them as well. But at the same time, like, let's get it together. You know, are there yeah. are there any things in your group that are unacceptable? Like. Uh, it, or things that you might believe that you can't say in your group. I'm just curious. I pretty much just call it like I see it. I don't really, I'm, I'm not really the one to keep my mouth shut to keep you comfortable. <laughs> um, you know, I've, uh, I've had weapons pulled on me because of my mouth uh because you know egos get in the way and they think that i need to shut up and it's like i'm not gonna not call you out just because you don't know how to handle it that's again that's on you that's not on me yeah and i think as long as you're respectful and tactful then you can pretty much i think we should be allowed to have these conversations but people are just not used to being honest with themselves and so how dare someone else be honest with them? What, what is this? Um, so I think it, it's a, it, it starts with being honest with yourself and then just like, like realizing how you appear to other people, how, you, how others perceive you as well. Yeah. And we learn about that in stand-up comedy, right? Like you, if, if, if you go up there, uh, the audience is pretty smart. They can kind of see right through you if you're BSing them. And so you want to stay true to yourself and you want to be very self-aware of how you're coming across, how you come across to, to other people. Um, and I think some people are just in denial about it or they don't want to be what they actually are. They wish they were something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, just, it's, I don't know, it, it's part about, it's partly meeting people where they are. Um, and also I, I think that's just what we need more. I think we need more people to call out these inappropriate behaviors. Mm. And I can't tell you, I've lost count of how many venues around, just around DFW that I'm not welcome at because I called leadership out on very wow. inappropriate, poor leadership skills. Do you have any examples? And their egos. Um, that you're willing to yeah. do that. <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. Um, there's, you know, there's very few leaders at least that I have dealt with here in DFW that are outwardly racist or outwardly sexist. It's very rare that you come across that in in the venues that I've been a part of. It's always the little microaggressions. It's the slights and the snubs and the things that they don't even, it's unintentional. They don't realize that what they're saying is harming women or is harming Hispanics or is harming the queer community. And one of them, um, there's a a comedy club here in DFW and I, they're serving, their wait, waitress staff is all women and they have to dress a certain way at this comedy club. Mm. They'll get sent home by the male owner if they're not mm. dressed provocatively enough. Wow. wow. And to me, that is really weird uh odd behavior for a comedy club and you'd go somewhere like the improvs and the servers are like in white shirts and little bow ties and they're like all professional right totally different vibe Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there, I, I, yeah, I've, I've called that out. Also, uh, inappropriate relationships like with these 40 and 50 year old men that are owners of these clubs, taking advantage of 18, 19, 20 year old girls, basically, um, having affairs on their wives, just like not being a good Christian, not being a good person, not, not, you know, having very inappropriate behaviors and actions and same thing with uh recently i left a, a theater because they don't know how to treat people of color we asked um like hey you know we've been talking to students and others and other uh interns other people here and we would really like to see more people of color in leadership roles whether it's instructors directors, um, board members, just any more representation would be great. And we were met with, um, you know, you should be grateful for the progress that we've made. We have a lot of women working here. You should be grateful for that. You know, 15, 20 years ago, I never would have dreamed of having a female improv instructor. So y'all be grateful for the progress that we've made. Wow. And yeah, and it's a lot of, and like I said, like, you know, they're getting defensive because they know that we're right. So there's a truth to what we're saying. And also they don't realize that by saying, hey, look at all the progress we've made so far, which is great, by the way. Um, people don't realize that that's a, that's a slight against me and people of color, right? Because it's basically saying we're going to deny the the significance of your experience in history as a person of color so that we can focus on something that makes us comfortable. And I think it, it's those that like, they just, they get very, their egos can't handle it. They're getting called out. Mm. They don't like it because they don't want to be that person. And I've, I've, uh, I've read some books and some research on this whenever I was a part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And research suggests, and Richie, I would love to know your thoughts on this, yeah. that a white person has two really big fears when it comes to race talk. The second biggest fear is saying or doing something that is perceived as racist or offensive. So that's why a lot of times in these talks, white people don't know what to say, or they're just like, you know, they 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 kind of have the deer in the headlights look. They don't want to breathe at the wrong time uh, in case they come across racist. So instead of instead of being like initiating a conversation, they'll usually just step back and be very very careful with the words that they choose. But, so that's the second largest fear. The biggest fear is actually realizing that you possess some racist tendencies. Hmm. Did yeah, you I mean, agree with that? I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's great. So I think a couple things. So we are, in my experience now, see, this is the thing is, is, you know, we, we've been talking about these groups and, and I, I can only say it from my, cause where I see it all, but I mean, I was groomed to not talk about race. I was, mm -hmm. I was educated not to talk about it because we're human. And, 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 you know, at some, at some point in my life, it, it flipped from, you know, blacks and whites and hispanics and gays and straight and all that no no we're just all human so we're just gonna we're gonna get rid of that and um and that that was uh that that was that was what i was educated to do and then and and so it's taboo to talk about race at all so white people don't talk about their whiteness or or what it's like being white uh where 
talking to Chris, like, no, it's kind of a conversation that we have sometimes is being black. And I, I don't know, is that the same with Hispanic? I mean, any group that, I mean, I know we're talking about generalities, you know, but, it, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but any groups that you're part of, like, is, I mean, is that, is that something that you talk about what it's like being gay or you talk about what it's like being Hispanic or a woman or a comedian? Like you talk about that pretty, pretty openly and freely, don't you? I think our groups would talk about it more. Yeah. Would you agree, Chris? Because we're, we're the underrepresented voices. We know that we're the minority, um, the minority yeah. cultures here. So I, I think we talk about our own cultures. We talk about other other underrepresented cultures. And we make fun of white people Yeah, we all talk the about time. your whiteness for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If y'all aren't talking about it, we, we got you well, covered. No, yeah. And, yeah. That, and so what that what that does is, is um, it uh, strangely, it's I think it's part of a, I don't know if it's an intentional plan, but a part of a plan to uh, normalize whiteness. And, and we don't talk about race because everybody's white. You know, that's really what's what's being said, you know, in some in some whatever that means or whatever that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and everybody's trying. Everybody's trying to be white, like get to get into that white place. And white means educated and wealthy and all that stuff or whatever else, you know. Um, so that's that piece is there. And um, so I've, I've always been uncomfortable talking about it and and absolutely afraid of being called a racist being a racist uh in 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 the white community is uh, akin to what i've heard about you know n-word or you know any other racial thing is like that's the r that's word the, the r word yeah whatever you want to yeah whatever word that that hurts people you know uh that's that's huge because if you tell someone there if you tell any white person they're racist they will completely deny it even mm -hmm. even the most i mean at least in my experience the most like racist person i don't i don't like black people and mexicans i'm sorry i just don't like them i think people stick to their kind are you racist no i'm not racist i'm just yeah. you know so those those fears are are real and i mean they've they've, they've they've impacted policy religion they've impacted education every level i mean that's that's why it's a systemic problem and so it is it is going to take white people i think getting uncomfortable and being okay with being uncomfortable you know that's kind of that's kind of where I think we need to be right now and, and realize that because 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 for me, um, you know, I came to this conversation. Um, sorry, my hair is bugging me and I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I came a to white guy thing to say. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but I came to this conversation like realizing that uh, my brothers and sisters are dying and I'm benefiting from that system. They're, they're dying from a system. Uh, that I'm benefiting from. And that sort of kind of broke me in, in, in uh, lots of good, but lots of uncomfortable ways. Um, you know, I had a, I had a conversion experience when I was in my twenties to Christianity. I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't think I'm mean, loosely, but um, uh, I, that experience was the same on this side because it, it completely changed the trajectory trajectory of my sort of life. And what I, what I want to do with the rest of my life is, is trying to, uh, not only be an ally, but um, help, help, help solve this problem. And in some way, if I can, like help, help, you know, like yeah. being woken to it. And, and, but I'm finding that like, even, even people that are quote unquote woke, like I'm getting flack from that, those groups too, because I'm not saying everything that that's the part of like the, the package, the marketing package or the party line or whatever. Like um, I can't think of an example right now, but I got um, plenty. <laughs> you got plenty. Chris has maybe backed me up there. <laughs> yes, but it's so true. I mean, you have to speak the woke doctrine. And if you don't, you're not technically in that group either. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so what I'm finding is I'm finding I'm identifying less and less um, with with the with the groups that I'm in. So I don't really I mean, mm. 
I, you know, being straight, like 10% gay, like and 90% straight, <laughs> um, uh, I don't identify with what I would consider sort of straight culture and seeing what, seeing white culture now for sort of what it is. I don't identify with that. Uh, probably closest to, as a comedian, but at the same time, like a lot of the, there's lots of comedian stuff. I'm like, God, you know, so, um, Christian is the same way. Like I, that's why I have a hard time with that label because I, I have, you know, I was in ministry for eight years and it was, uh, the, the hypocrisy of like, we're going to take this piece out and we're going to say, this is wrong. And all the other things that it says is wrong. We're not going to deal with. And all the things it says is good. We're not going to deal with, you know, like, uh, you know, this, the same the small instant, for instance of that is, Jesus says a couple of times um, how to get into the kingdom of heaven. One is to be born again. You hear that all the time. Born again, born again. You be born again. Believe and, you know, be born again. Oh, you're, you're, you're come from Catholic, so you may not have heard that as much as. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like you hear that a lot. Well, there's another verse that says, uh, he, someone asked him the exact same question. And he said, oh, you got to sell all you have and give to the poor. But we never mm. talk about that. Never, never is poor people an issue. We don't we don't treat criminals correctly. We're you know anti-abortion, but pro-death penalty. Like th just all this, all that stuff. You know, that someone who really believes um, and really kind of really wants to be a part of that group, and then all of a sudden, well, but it's it's not it's not uh, like that. It's uh, we're going to do these things. We're not going to like gay people, and we're not going to you know whatever else. And and. and yeah. It's, it's it's very frustrating. Picking. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, sure. I, I feel that completely. Um, but what this is the irony that I feel is that as I understand more and more about how I feel about the groups I'm in and the things that I disagree with within those groups, I come back to the white doctrine of individualism, like every day. Like, oh, mm. maybe all this is saying is I'm not in any of these groups. I am just an individual. And that is trippy for me because I've never had those thoughts before until, you know, this podcast has those that are listening with us have been on this journey with me. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just it's just interesting because I don't I don't have anything to refute that I am becoming more and more individual every day because I understand I don't fit the groups that well either. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. And we're finding I mean, that's what we're finding Diana, is, is like a lot of like a lot of gray area or a lot of, um, a lot of individual stuff. Cause I, I have been on the search sort of in collectivism and, and being wanting to be a part of a group and wanting to find a group that I can connect with. And, and, you know, cause one of our first conversations, you know, Chris said, I've got people and I, I mean, I don't know. Do you have people too? Like you got, I don't know. Do you have a whole slew of people behind you? I have a good support system going on. Go. Um, and I think it's one of those things in life, you know, I think all three of us have been in situations where we have to fit in. We don't feel like we belong, but we feel like eh, I can try to fake it till I make it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in life, I feel like that's kind of the whole point is we, we don't want to feel like we have to try and fit in. We want to find a place where we belong or find a group of people where we don't feel like we have to put on masks or change ourselves or tone down my brownness or tone down my queerness. You can just be 100% authentic. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all searching for, whether it's with other people that identify in the same groups as us, if they look like us, speak like us, or if they're like-minded, if their political views are the same, religious, uh, religious commitments, whatever it is. And I think it's really beautiful that we can 
find that belongingness and that that family feeling with people that don't look like us and don't check all the same boxes that we do and i think that's what's beautiful about it and that's what it's all about and i feel like that's kind of where that all lives matter thing comes in because people that really don't care about a person's race or anything like their intention is good whenever they say all lives matter at the same time it's still a microaggression because again they're denying the experience and and significance of a person of color um yeah and so it's like yeah in the eyes of the creator or the universe the the fabric of the universe whatever you want to call it whatever you believe in we are equal in the eyes of human beings heck no we're not equals <laughs> good point especially in white americans we're not we're not equals and i think if anything the past, this whole year has taught us that is that we are not all equals um in the united states of america and i think that's really hard for some people to hear because they think this is the greatest place ever and if you don't like it you can leave like go go leave your country because you don't like it and go migrate to another country what who's heard of that um but it's one of those things like it's just so hard to hear that the greatest nation in the world or the the strongest and the most fear the most formidable nation whatever you you want to call it i mean it has some major major flaws that go back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and it's kind of like how we're taught in school we're taught certain aspects certain perspectives of history right and then as you get older and you go into college or you just do continuing education on your own you realize holy crap they left off a lot of stuff and they sure did they painted a nice rosy picture of this really (laughs) horrible thing that happened and that happens all the time because again we're taught and conditioned to keep the dominant culture comfortable and so until we're at and you hear that all the time get comfortable being uncomfortable and it's like okay but what does that mean like what does that actually entail and that means like having these really really difficult tense loaded conversations that a lot of people just aren't ready to hear like their their system is in shock when they hear these things because again you've grown up your whole life like the majority of us have grown up you were taught not to be racist. We're taught not to do this, not to, to think this and to realize and find out that the majority, if not all of us possess these very negative traits within yeah. us to have to have that self-awareness and to actually admit that to yourself yeah. is very, very hard. It's, it's like a complete 180 from your entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your whole life, you thought you were doing everything right to not be racist, to not be misogynistic, to not be homophobic. And then to find out like, oh crap, I'm not perfect. I have work to do, oh my God. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's a shock to the system. And so again, I empathize actually with people that are having to deal with that now, like these leaderships that I have called out. Mm-hmm. I get it, I know why it's so hard. I'm just asking you to do the work on yourself and to actually give us underrepresented and marginalized voices a chance. And we can't have a chance until the dominant culture is ready to do the work on themselves. Yeah. yeah. I find this so funny because it's the same language, but it's in a different direction. It's that that self accountability, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the woke crowd is saying you need to be self accountable for your your um, 
your unconscious biases, the 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 truth of the matter that we all were taught some form of racism. I mean, I I totally accept that, but there's a lot of people that don't. But then mm-hmm. you have the other side of the coin that preaches self accountability in your actions and in every uh, instance you live in, and uh, if you if you failed in life, you need to take accountability for that, and and so it's just. It's the same language, but we don't comprehend it the same way. I just that to me is so fascinating because we are all humans. And so I get the the um, ideology of not speaking about race, because at the end of the day, we are Mm -hmm. all human. We all think the same way um, might about like the specifics might be different, but we all kind of have the same train of thought of why our thing is right. Right. We're all in yeah. on our own idea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh no, this is the way we all do that. No matter what yeah. it is we're thinking. And so, yes, we are all human, but we still fight each other on the same principles. Like mm-hmm. two people agree that two people disagree on the same thing for the same reasons. If, if that makes any sense, it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to like, you know, my perspective on the world is different than Chris's and it's different than Richie's. Right. And so all of ours are different and we can be looking at the exact same thing and have three totally different answers and yep. they could all be part of the truth. Right. Yeah. We're just telling our truth. There's it's a version of of what reality actually is. Yeah. Um, so that's fascinating to me because it's like, oh my gosh, like where does this concept end and Diane begins, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and it can kind of send me into a spiral. But um, I think that's one thing that that we have to remember is that we all are humans and we need to show not only ourselves some grace, but everyone some grace right now because this is some hard times. And with the pandemic going on, we have so much extra energy to devote to topics like this you know i think before a lot of us just kind of we knew it was going on it's always been going on but i don't have the energy to talk about it are you kidding me i just (laughs) want to have a beer and go to bed and now that we have a little bit more free time we have some free energy to devote to this sort of thing yeah it's it uh to me that's actually been a blessing of something that's come out of this really ridiculous traumatic uh experience with this pandemic is these talks are starting to happen a lot more, at least in, in, in my little circle of the world. Yeah. And so that's one one thing that I'm very grateful for is that we can actually start having these conversations. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It doesn't mean that you have to drive around with a Confederate flag and name yourself Cletus. It doesn't mean <laughs> that you're a bad person, right? It just means like, hey, we have some work to do and you can be part of the solution. So I, and I, that's another thing, because you have the, that perspective, too. Some white people have absolutely convinced themselves that they are part of the solution when, in fact, they are still part of the problem. And that is like the most ridiculous brick wall of an argument ever. Right. Like, how do you get through to somebody that's convinced themselves they're on the right side of history? Yeah. And it's hard because generally that's um, at least in my uh sort of reading and history and stuff that's a progressive mindset so progressives for a long time since well at least since the 60s have been have offered up symbols of like oh well you know we've like we've got black lives matter painted on all these streets that's fantastic mm-hmm. but laws aren't changing right you know like is this enough to see but look all this you know you've got this quote-unquote representation what but the the systemic things that are that are you know dehumanizing people or causing injustice in inequ- inequitable society aren't being changed 
And so it's, uh, it's hard, even if you think that you got it all together, you, we still have to do the work of introspection. Mm -hmm. So that, and that's, and that's what's sort of changed in me is that that's daily, that has to be daily. And I, and, and I have to, as a white person, um, believe people of color, believe people that are uh, homosexual, queer, you know, anybody that's different than my experience, really, I mean, really anybody, my wife, my children, my friends, my, you know, family, I've got to believe them in their experience. And, and I don't know why we weren't taught that, or at least that, why that didn't come like trickle down or whatever it was. Yeah. I know. The, you know? When, when did that, where did that even come from? Oh, know. that person has a nice tan. They must be a liar. Like who started that <laughs> <Right>. rumor? <laughs> well, that's so, what I want to know. Well, so that's, that's a couple hundred years old. Chris and I have been looking into it and it's a, it, yeah. that stuff is pseudoscience when they in, invaded this country and, and, and brought over slaves and stuff that they had, I mean, how you, you had to justify it because you knew it was so inhumanizing, you know, that, um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's been around for a long time and it comes out of, uh, it comes out of Europe and, and that's, we have to deal with that and acknowledge that and, and, and not dismiss it and not say things like, well, it's different now. Okay, sure. Like you talked about earlier, that's great that we have women on uh, the staff. That's fantastic. The problem's mm -hmm. not over. The, right. the, we're, yeah. It's not done. We're not even close to being done. So, so let's sure celebrate. Great. That's fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, also all this other stuff, you know, like we're not, we just got to keep going and, and to, and to say, no, well settle for, we got to settle. We got to stay. Let's just wait. Right. Let's wait. Let's take, take a step back. Um, is often the answers that, uh, uh, you get you get from progressives, uh, and and I, which of, of myself I, I consider myself one, and you see this like you see the, like the talks from like James Baldwin and uh, those guys out of the '60s, they were saying the yeah. same things back then, you know, yeah. the white people and the Absolutely. black people. The, the, so it's not <laughs> that's the scariest not, part. Yeah, and I think it's been a lack of introspection, and I think it's been a lack of belief. Mm -hmm. I have to believe Chris when he says yeah. that, you know, it's tough dealing with the police and, uh, you know, or, or whatever, whatever that is, you know, whatever that thing is. So, yeah. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, that's what I'm trying to understand more and be more compassionate and understanding is it's so painful to have to admit these things. Granted, we've been, you know, I've been brown for a while. Chris, I bet you've been black for a while. So we've long. known this. This is our lives. And to have this other side of it, it's sort of, you know, having to come to this realization. And it's painful. I get it. And so it's much easier to say, mm, that makes me uncomfortable if it were to be true what you're saying. So I'm just going to say you're not right mm -hmm. and keep living in my happy little bubble yeah. and i think that's the the part that we have to learn how to let go of is is letting go of our happy little bubble and just pretending that all people of color are lying about yeah. their experiences well let me ask one question the one last one is so based on the backstory you gave us i'm going to assume that your father is a republican it if Bush was the the, the yeah, shout yeah. out, right, yeah. and that's okay. I mean, if, yeah. if Bush was shouting my family out, we'd we'd probably be supporting. You know, that's kind of what you do. Um, but exactly, how 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 are they doing during this time? And how are y'all's how is y'all's relationship dealing with the current circumstances we're in? 
Yeah, my mom is having an identity crisis because she's just like, it can't be that bad, right? I need a percentage. What's the number of percentage that of all cops that are bad? And what's the percentage? You know, she's freaking out mm -hmm. um, because she has also been one of those that's just like, no, I don't want to hear about the bad stuff. I'm going to keep myself comfortable. She hasn't denied any of it. She just refuses to acknowledge good. it because it's, it's too hard. But now that she's starting to acknowledge it a little bit more, my father and I actually have debates pretty much weekly about protests and riots and looting yeah. and uh, uh, qualified immunity and is marijuana a schedule one drug why is it and and you know uh and my brother one of my brothers actually works at the, the dallas da's office too so and he's very progressive very liberal so having me and my brother kind of against my dad um has been interesting but i will say that we still love each other very much. Um, I know how hard-headed and set in his ways that my, my dad is. I love him, I respect him. Uh, I don't agree with about 90% of his ideologies and beliefs, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he's still my dad and I still have respect for the guy. I'm still his only daughter and I'm the baby of the family, so mm -hmm. come on, like yeah. he's, you know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it, and it's interesting. A lot of people are like, how can you have a relationship with him if he doesn't, you know, accept you as being queer and he doesn't, da, 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 you know, and he he uh, agrees with 80% of Trump's policies, even though he didn't vote for him. And it, and it boggles people's minds that I still have a good relationship with my father, um, even though we have very different views. And it's like, again, as long as you're respectful and you're not like personally attacking somebody you're just literally focusing on these behaviors and these philosophies and debating them i think it's actually really healthy uh to be able to do that and then to walk away and you know hug and kiss each other and like hey i still love you you still love me cool we're good yeah and yeah it's uh it's very tricky of course but that's why you have to learn how to accept people the way they are and if they're hurting you then let them know but if they're just trying to be a good person, having different beliefs than you, that's okay. You know, you just got to meet them where they are. And like I said, if they cross any boundaries, then call them out. Yeah. But until then, you can, you can, uh, you can agree to disagree. Well, and I think family is a big difference in, or me and Richie have been discussing um, the uh, minority culture is coming more of a collective unity kind of thing where the families are together regardless um mm -hmm. and and so i was curious when you hear the people saying wow how can you how can you still have a good relationship when y'all disagree yeah. are those people white i'm just curious or or is it run does it run the gambit i would say it's pretty much across the board okay just it, it's mostly just friends that uh that just want to make sure that i'm okay basically maybe they don't have a good relationship with their but father yeah. i don't know maybe they're projecting hector projector um <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's not just uh just white people that do that okay that ask me that. oh thank god thank god okay yeah. <laughs> i just wanted to make sure you know <laughs> well diane this has been a fantastic talk uh you're welcome yes. back anytime and you, so um, you know we can talk about whatever you want this, again thank you for joining us on our first sort of format change and you know um is there any are there any shows that coming up or i know it's all crazy with the with covid but are there anything that you want to promote or throw out there at all i will be having some sketches release 
in the semi uh, near future, so be on the lookout for that. I'll post them on my on my social media pages. But that's pretty much it for now. Trying to uh, figure out my next steps and all of this. So. Yeah, I think all, we we all have that in common. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was a black thing. Wait, y'all? No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, it is because you're black. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Diane. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. So that was our conversation with Diane Michelle. Just fantastic. We're going to throw her um, social media stuff on the show notes, so please check her out, the sketches that she's come, coming out. Chris, or any any last words for folks? No, I, I just want others that are interested in having these open dialogue conversations to join in on our podcast, reach out to us, uh, Allies Imperfect on twitter and imperfect allies learning together on facebook come find us let's have these discussions yeah thanks thanks so much for listening y'all we love you very much peace peace all black everything black cards black cards all black